This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Tuesday, 13th of December. 2022, it is CPI Day and what we're calling CPI Circus Day. We'll have a look at how these CPI releases have moved around, especially the equity market. I think a lot of this is an equity market phenomenon. A lot of short-term options and derivatives gaining or gaming of the system, trying to eke out maybe protection, maybe just outright speculation. But we'll have a look at that. Uh, regardless, uh, yesterday we saw some upside in the, uh, in, uh, in the indices. I think some of that probably on hedging over the next two days, event risks, perhaps some follow-on after the last two inflation-related releases. Uh, the PCE was the most recent on November 30th. That was the PCE for October. And then the CPI for October, which was back on November 10th, massive reaction there. Again, we'll get into that in a moment, but I, I really think that, that uh, to a degree, at least, that these, these have become a bit too much of a circus, these inflation releases. But is there really anything to talk to in terms of uh, the market here until we get to the other side of, of tomorrow's, or sorry, today's CPI and tomorrow's <laughs> FOMC meeting, Peter? No, I think uh, what based on what you're going to talk about uh, in a few seconds, John, um, you can already see the anticipation taking place. I know you will be talking about the the option market and how the VIX is already being behaving going into the event. But I mean, look at the performance yesterday, uh, bubble stocks, the clear winner up 3%. I think that's uh, that's a long duration play on a, on a positive, uh, you know, beat on inflation. So inflation coming in lower than expected. But for me, just like last time, I... I had this headline on my equity note, uh, today we celebrate, tomorrow we think. And the, the thinking part is that, you know, everyone is so focused on the, the goods inflation coming down, uh, you know, overhang of inventories. We also see that here in Denmark, that eventually leads to write downs and, and lower goods inflation. But I think the key inflation metric right now and going forward is going for that, it's going to be the services, the services inflation number. And, and, and that one is 60% of the overall inflation figure. That's going to be the important one also because we know that next year profits will be linked to the wage pressures and wage pressures are very much linked to what's going on in the services sector. So I think that's the key, the key thing for me to watch, not the overall headline figure, but what's going on under the hood in the services sector. And there are signs that the services sector has been relatively resilient in the U.S. and services activity is far more employment intensive than the goods sector as well. All right. So rolls forward to the next slide. I think it's a good illustration. I hope you can find the slide link on for today's slide deck. Uh, it's in the podcast description, just highlighting the CPI releases with the red uh, rectangles and this PCE releases with the blue rectangles. And you can see how much the U.S. equity market has moved over these. The last two releases being two of the larger ones, uh, as mentioned, November 10th, that slightly softer CPI release and a 5% plus update in the equity market. It explains almost the entire upside relative to this point in time. And the only additional upside we had uh, between that release and now was the November 30th PCE release, which that move was quite big as well, not nearly as big as the 5% level uh, or the 5% move we saw back in November 10th, but it was a large one. And you see on the right there, I put in the VIX chart, jumping three points on a day that saw a positive change on the day. So, uh, you know, supposedly risk sentiment on, I think it was probably people hedging the upside risk. JP Morgan saying it was low, very low odds. But if we did see something like the headline coming in at 6.9% uh, today for the year on year, you can see a 10% move in equities. I certainly hope that's not what we get because I think what the, the Fed will deliver tomorrow might be a little bit scary if we get a 10% upside in equities on today in the wake of the CPI release. So I suspect that this little game has been going on for quite some time. It's been a pretty spectacular game. 
these big one day moves, the you know, very intensive speculation here. I wonder, uh, first of all, I would love to see a perfectly inline CPI release today just to test what the market thinks it needs to do when, when data comes in exactly as consensus expects. And then I think uh, it'll treat the data rather, or it'll treat the uh, data point rather poorly if we get a stronger than expected release. And really, in the end, none of these releases matter when it's month to month. It's about how this shapes up over the coming six months more than a single print. So uh, just a word of warning. I, I wonder if this has become a bit too much of a distraction for the market, and it really has very little information value. And if we roll forward a little bit to the uh, uh, FX market, I think you can see that except for dollar yen on that November 10th release where we saw a massive slide there, uh, the dollar reaction to the CPI is a little bit more muted. So I think it is a bit more of an equity phenomenon here than anything else. Looking at dollar yen, looking at the dollar broadly, it's perched close to support. Uh, I think to get the dollar back on the rally track, you either need to see very weak risk sentiment and or U.S. Treasury yields heading back higher. We did see an uptick in the U.S. tenure yesterday, but not enough to really write home about. We'll be watching that very closely today. Uh, this morning, otherwise, in FX, we saw um, some jobs data rolling in from the U.K., bit confusing, higher claims, so that's bad, but then higher payrolls, that's good. So not really any takeaways there. And as certainly for your space as well, Ola, in the precious metals markets, there's a lot of anticipation around the CPI release as well, together with maybe the caveat that really is this the be all and end all uh, one, one data point. Exactly, John. But I think also um, you, you showed these big up bars uh, just before and the that really coincide also with the the low that we saw in gold back in October, November, and since then the market has, uh, has been moved strongly higher. So uh, the market is uh, quite dependent on on the, these inflation data for now, and obviously also how the FOMC will respond to that tomorrow. So um, gold right now we're stuck in in a bit of a limbo here, but as a, as a right there on the on the slide, the next forty eight hours could potentially determine uh, the direction for the end of the year because if we do get a break above that eighteen oh eight level. Then there's pretty much uh, quite a bit of fresh air above that uh, that could be uh, utilized. So uh, that could be quite quite key. Like at the same time, to the downside below 1765, just look for some further consolidation down to 1735. Silver has uh, done quite a bit better recently. It's also been supported by the copper market. So if we can get a solid close above that 2335 level, then also the upside potential there looks uh, looks pretty good. Hey, I was going to say, you've got it in the next slide there, that 200-day that moving average, really a big focus for, for copper, stretching all the way back uh, practically a year or so. Exactly. So uh, so we, we we found uh, we got rejected there uh, later, or earlier this week. Uh, so that's really the, the key to look out for now. And, and also, we have to remind ourselves that just further above around that $4 level, that's just a massive level. It provided the, the floor for the market for more than a year. So again, that will be the the level that uh, potentially for a bit longer term investors would signal a change uh, or further strengths uh, to come. So uh, we'll keep a close eye on that. But um, for for silver, then keep an eye on, on copper. Uh, obviously, good news coming out of China right now in terms of activity picking up. But at the same time, some worries that uh, that uh, we could see a massive spreading of the COVID, which could be leave people in, in their beds. So uh, that could, at least in the short term, slow down activity. But they are on a tra trajectory to uh, to a recovery now, and that will underpin these prices, especially also what we're seeing right now in Europe with this massive spike in, in power prices. We're just seeing how how dependent we become on on the, on on getting a proper base load. And that that's, uh, in, in order to get the base load, in order to get more uh, solid uh, deliverance of, of power in the coming years, it requires a lot of infrastructure projects and infrastructure investments, and that's why we maintain a, a long-term bullish outlook for, for copper and other uh, transition metals.
All right, we were having a chat this morning, Peter, on the uh, equity market front, these these big combinations uh, of companies. And the latest one here in Europe, where there's two uh, giants, I don't know what you describe these companies as being, but I'll, I'll let you take over here. But just an interesting test of our modern age and these, these huge companies and whether they can continue uh, to combine and at what point the regulators are more on point in terms of recognizing this risk. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, recently, uh, last week, we had the the commentaries from the FTC on <clears throat> on the Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard in the gaming industry, and yesterday we had the news from from Novozymes that they are acquiring or attempting to acquire Christian Hansen. And my thoughts: I wanted to have written a piece on it last week, but when you're the largest and most valuable company in the world, I'm quite opinionated on this. I, I think that you know good markets should be driven by uh, competitive forces and not uh, monopoly concentration. I think there's a lot of adverse effects from that. I don't think if you're one of the most valuable companies in the world, Microsoft, you should be allowed to use that uh, monopoly power and excess free cash flow to buy up and gobble up more assets around the world. I think you should be constrained to do organic growth with your existing businesses and then pay out in terms of dividends and, and share buybacks your, your, your excess capital that, that you don't need. You, the, for society, it's more important to have competition. And now, Novozymes wants to acquire Christian Hansen. So both companies are Danish companies. Novozymes, very huge in industrial enzymes and catalysts. Christian Hansen has a little bit of overlap in that, but uh, it's bigger in, in the food flavoring ingredients business and to you know, probiotics. Uh, you, you, you use that, adding that to, to, the, um, to the, the food that the, the cows are eating, and that you know, makes some improvement to productivity of the milk production, et cetera, et cetera. And the question is, will the regulators even approve it? I, I, I doubt it uh, because they, they, these two companies are very large. And if they combine, um, you, you will have, at least in, the, in some industries, you only have Novozymes. And apparently, there will be a new name for it. But you will have Novozymes and DuPont almost being just you know, splitting the market in two. So I think, as you said, John, it's a big test. And as shareholders definitely didn't like the, the acquisition bid, Novozymes shares were down 15%. I think they they believe this is an excessive price to pay for Christian Hansen. That never really was a very strong business. They never really had a consistent growth profile. Always, I think having a, a not being as productive and efficient as Noble Symes. So a fifteen percent drop for a very stable company like Noble Symes is a big thing. So so watch that in today's trading. And then I'm highlighting Konsberg Gruppen, which is a Norwegian defense uh, contractor firm. They're just getting a very big contract, 1.4 billion Norwegian kroner for its coastal defense system. And in this case, it's going to Romania. Already 11 countries in Europe is utilizing this defense system. The company has around $31 billion of uh, Norwegian kroner and revenue, just so you have that perspective in, in terms of percentages for this order. It's a, it's a big thing. So we, of course, expect a positive reaction when trading opens up in, in, in Norway. And then last night, in extended trading, Oracle shares were up 2%. They, they delivered a small positive surprise both in revenue and, and earnings and the outlook for q3 on the cloud business is uh, 30 percent growth in constant currency terms so i think that's pretty rock solid seems like oracle is, is doing quite well in transitioning away from this software on-premise sales business model to a more cloud-based and maybe oracle is is making making a you know a pivot just like adobe did 10 years ago and maybe oracle is going to be a, a spectacular investment over the next five seven years who knows Maybe Larry Ellison needs a new yacht. He, well, he, he's very he's a, he's one of the, those rare people that is, uh, is is greedy, and you can I will allow you to, uh, you I will allow you to decide whether that's in a good or a bad way. But he's very greedy. He wants a lot of lots of cars, lots of yachts, lots of houses. So uh, yeah, he always needs a billion or uh, one or two more. In terms of earnings tomorrow, Inditex is reporting in Europe. It's one of the largest fashion retailers. 
they have been doing bad over the past five years, as you can see here on slide eight. I don't expect uh, fireworks. I, they have probably a, a excess inventory again. They're going to to cut prices to get that inventory off the shelves, etc. It's not really particular, and it's that you know fashion is a it's a consumer discretionary item, and we we know we have so many data points coming out. The consumer discretionary consumption is in decline, also in the U.S. Thursday, Adobe talking about that pivot on business model for Oracle. Adobe been a very great success story for ten years, but the, your, the share price has really been hit hard over the past year with the interest rate shock. And, and they are really under competitive pressure from Figma, which is a, this competitor that is really gobbling up a lot of market share in a fast fashion. And Adobe has splashed a $20 billion price tag on that company to fend off this competition. It reminds me very much of Intel in the old days under Andy Grove, you know, only the paranoid survive. And whenever you see one single competitor that's a threat, just buy them out. So that's apparently the environment that we're in with the Adobe. Wow. Okay. An interesting one there. Uh, let's uh, look forward to the macro calendar. It really is all about the US CPI. There are a couple of the bits and pieces for specific currencies. Australia's uh, uh, RBA governor Lowell speaking, for example, in early Asian hours. Again, it's all about the CPI release. And uh, just be very mindful of two things. One, that uh, especially that you have a big event risk following right on the heels of this in the sh uh, shape of tomorrow's FOMC meeting. And two, that that event risk, the FOMC meeting, might want to specifically push back against anything that looks over-enthusiastic on the risk on front in the wake of the CPI release. So I'm hoping that we can get beyond these, these huge intraday moves because I don't think they're very healthy and they don't have much information value when a lot of it is linked to short-term hedging and short-term speculation around the nature of the release itself. So yeah, let's see what happens. Again, the core, I think the, the, the key one to, to focus on is that core month-on-month -month level, the 0.3% that is expected. We're softer than that. That's, of course, the risk on, uh, lower yields, dollar lower scenarios, supposedly. Uh, again, the big caveat being, how do we treat the FOMC? And then hotter than plus 0.3%, maybe with some attention as well on the headline year-on-year uh, -year figures, if that's uh, below a psychological level, like JP Morgan points out at below 7%, that might trigger some kind of huge reaction as well. But I really think for information value, uh, beyond the reaction, be looking at that core month-on-month -month reading. All right, that's it for today. We'll preview the FOMC meeting tomorrow in the wake of what the market is doing in the wake of this CPI release today. For now, that's it. We'll be back tomorrow with the Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.